Welcome to Answer the Call with Kelsey Kemp. That is me, obviously. Oh my gosh, how weird would that be if actually someone was like, welcome to the show with blah, blah, and then it actually wasn't the person. Anyway, it is me. Kelsey Kemp, I happen to be a career coach specialized in helping Christians discern their unique calling and then practically land a job or start a business that's aligned with it. So that's also, as you might guess, or if you're a longtime listener, what this podcast is about. And today I felt that it is about time that I have addressed this crucial topic that um, I've really been picking up on certain themes and observations that I feel are really important to share around you guessed it. You, because mm, the title, there we go. <laughs> it is themes I have observed in discerning a true calling from a fake one. And when I'm talking about calling, I'm talking about uh, not just your occupational calling, uh, the larger grand scheme of what career path you might be called to for your life or for this season, but also callings uh, on a smaller level, what you feel compelled um, to do in alignment with God's will, even in the smaller decisions, um, like seeking out help for a certain area of your life, buying this house or that, going to this school or that school, whichever. Um, so <laughs> the my background and where I'm coming from in recording this episode is that over the last two and a half years since starting my career coaching practice, I've gotten to be in a really unique place uh, and position where I get to observe and help people make decisions, big and small, oftentimes pretty big in regards to their career, nearly every day. And also naturally in friend groups, <laughs> I find myself having conversations with people all the time, making all sorts of significant changes and decisions in their lives because I just naturally love to be alongside people in that process. And not only that, um, throughout recording many, many uh, interviews for this podcast, I have noticed some successful elements in how people really faithfully and diligently approach the task of making some of the most significant decisions in their lives. Um, so I'm going to be talking about those themes that I have observed in discerning a true calling from a fake one. And when I mean fake, maybe it's something that we are backing up that decision with unsound reasoning that doesn't actually align with um, God's character and what we know his will to be according to what we read in the Bible. Or maybe it's just generally not really a wise decision, or maybe it's a good decision, but one that is just backed up purely with emotion. And even if it is a good decision, when I'll talk about this, uh, further down in the episode, but the f really interesting thing is that you can actually make a good decision based on, quote, gut instinct, which is open to interpretation. It might be heavily swayed by emotions. Um, and because you made that decision on an emotional basis, you don't have the deep roots there that have extended into conviction and perseverance when that feeling is no longer present in the path you've decided to take. So um, I, sorry, I don't know if you heard that, but my sister just made a giant sigh. I don't know if she needs a little break, 5 p.m. on a Tuesday. Uh, small apartment, we're moving on. Okay, so in today's episode, I am going to be covering, here, let me give you the overview. One, I'm going to come right out of the gate with my main observations, sharing the reliable versus unreliable indicators that you've actually found your calling in any given area of life. And two, what the Bible says about all of this, <laughs> like 
reliable versus unreliable indicators through the parable of the sower that we find in Matthew chapter 13. I'll also share in particular why we really absolutely must stop basing our decisions off of the feeling of peace. This is something I hear all the time as it's very common, commonly passed around and said almost this mantra of go where the peace is. I'm going to be breaking down why that is unhelpful and actually unbiblical. I know some of you are writhing right now and you're like, no, Kelsey, that can't be true. That is false. I will talk about the verses that we often incorrectly cite that actually don't support this argument. But um, I'll also share um, what place our feelings really do appropriately have in our decisions and the steps that we take towards discerning our calling because they're not just to be thrown away. Trust me, I'm a big feeler. I'm also, I will not hide this fact, I am an idealist that has very much worked in my life to balance that with pragmatism. Um, So, (laughs) trust me, I'm not criminalizing feelings. So I will talk about what place feelings do have in our decision making, as well as some interesting examples from my own life, from that of my friends and some clients and some professional situations I've found myself in. of these instances of how I've seen me or others follow a calling that actually didn't pan out to be correct or it wasn't really God telling them that. Um, And so through these examples, I'll be sharing how you might be able to spot the difference. Then lastly, speaking of how to spot the difference, I know that this would not be a helpful podcast if I didn't share exactly how you can walk through a thorough discernment process so you can as much as possible really be sure that you're pursuing something faithfully and it's a good decision and it really is in alignment with God's calling for your life. And this is no matter if we are talking about your career path or for smaller daily decisions. Okay, That is the big overview. Obviously, I have a lot to get through in this episode, so I will kick it off, as I said, and I promised, with my main observation. So, my main observation in one of the biggest themes and lessons I've learned in observing these themes of discerning a true calling from a fake one is that conviction is far more reliable than excitement or the sensation of passion. And the feeling of peace is honestly just a total crapshoot altogether. That is my firm, sassy observation right off the top. So I'll repeat that again. Conviction is far more reliable than the sensation of excitement or passion. And the feeling of peace is just a total crapshoot altogether. (laughs) Here's what I mean. I know some of you might have already clicked out of this. Like, no, I disagree. Here's what I really mean. So I hope that you stick around because this is something that has honestly changed my life a lot as someone who, again, I really always seek to be very honest with Um, the transformative decisions and experiences that have really gotten me to a further place of wisdom in my life. Um, But yeah, I used to be a very emotional decision maker. I used to think that that excitement kind of like growing in the pit of your stomach was my intuition telling me that something was perfect and it got me in a lot of trouble. Hint, almost moved to London because I thought that was my life's calling, but it turns out that was wrought with poor motivation. So God saved me from that one. I was literally three weeks away from buying my one-way ticket. Anyway, um, so this is a few years back before I started my business, but 
Um, here's what I mean by that statement of conviction is the most reliable indicator, not the sensation of peace, excitement, or passion. What I mean is if you're inspired to make a decision primarily fueled by a sensation of passion, excitement, or even peace, it is subject to change along with your emotions from one day to the next. However, if after thoroughly considering and evaluating a potential decision, you come to a deep sense of conviction that that is the right choice, then you are, and what I mean by conviction, I'll explain this more, but like that strong sense of belief, hey, I've looked at this from all obvious angles, even some more detailed ones, like I trust that this is the right choice. And this is, yeah, going on to the right choice, then you are much less likely then to fall off the path when that sensation of excitement or passion fade inevitably in times of testing, in the facing doubts or hardship. So how do you get to the point of conviction instead of just falling for the initial sensations of all those nice feelings? This is how. Work to evaluate and back up your potential decision with a mature understanding of what the Bible says is God's will for your life and an understanding of what is the most faithful use of your abilities, resources, ideas, intellect, circumstances, and all of these other things that God tangibly or intangibly has entrusted you with when he created you and set out this time that you were born in and gave you all these circumstances. (laughs) So, um, and let me be clear. I know that might not seem groundbreaking, but let me share some examples that I really see people often falling into, and it might be a lot more nuanced or (laughs) widespread than you would have thought. So let me be clear, though, it is often natural for excitement or passion to be a part of a decision by the grace of God. Like, aren't those nice things to feel? That's amazing. But if you don't think through the decision in a really thorough manner, seeking to apply wisdom, like really learned, collected wisdom, especially in community, um, you might not develop the conviction and sound reasoning that will encourage you to persist with your mind in times that your heart isn't really in it and when the path isn't that easy, exciting, or fun anymore, which there's, you know this, there's always going to be ups and downs. And this is a little bit of a side note, but I thought I would share the kind of interesting situation that inspired me to record this episode. I always knew I was going to address this, but I just thought, oh, okay, the time is now. So my sister and I, um, if you don't know my sister, my identical twin, Kirsten, she's pretty awesome. She has a YouTube channel called Twins Talk Ballet when, no, Twin Talks Ballet, like eight years ago when I stopped <laughs> filming those YouTube videos with her. Um, anyway, she is up to some really cool stuff. We started our businesses alongside each other at the same time two and a half years ago. So we relate on a lot of the same phases of business that we're in. Um, So my sister and I were reflecting on some consultations that we had with prospective clients last week, and it had us thinking about some themes that we've noticed over the last two and a half years of working with people, getting on calls with prospective clients and seeing if that is a fit and they're going to enroll. Here's what we've observed. (laughs) Really interesting. 100% of the people who get overly excited on these 30-minute consultation calls saying, 
even through tears, that they have tingles all over their body. They feel the Holy Spirit. I'm like, don't blame this on God. They feel the Holy Spirit moving in their life and they know without a doubt, like literally people will look me in the eyes through tears and say, I know without a doubt that God has orchestrated my path and ordained for us to work together in this moment. And I've even had people tell me that God told them that uh, they, by such and such date, were going to experience some huge transformation as a result of us working together. And then they implore me, yes, please send over the contract right after this. I am ready. I'm going to enroll. Um, And just in case you're tempted to think that someone backs out later because of the investment level or any of the details. No, we thoroughly talk through that. And with excitement, they're like, yes, I am ready to sign on the dotted line. God has called me to this. I am totally ready. Guys, I am not kidding. I cannot remember a single person over the years that has expressed a very emotional sense of calling to work with me or my sister, she experiences this too, that did not inexplicably send me an email a few days later saying, no, never mind. I have decided I am not going to do this. (laughs) P.S. I have had people come back to me after a few months. uh, So a few months later saying that they didn't really get anywhere on their own and that they would like to reapproach this decision and then they enroll. But seriously, I've gotten to the point where for a while I didn't know what to make of it. And I certainly do believe that God does speak to people. And I have had those moments as well where I have an overwhelming sensation in the spirit. I do believe that the Holy Spirit moves, but it's just so interesting after this has happened so many times between both my sister and I and in other circumstances in life, even in relationships and all these things, people that are like overwhelmingly emotional and saying, yes, this is the thing for me. I am all in and very hasty. I have not seen a single one of those situations not fall through. So interesting. (laughs) So seriously, I've gotten to the point where I'm almost relieved anytime that someone asks me for a few days to think and pray about it or talk with a spouse or whatever before enrolling in one of my career coaching programs. Seriously, I am filled with respect. I'm like, yeah, wow, that's wise. Be patient think through it. I know that you feel like, wow, I this is a wonderful opportunity. I'm really excited about it. This makes a lot of sense to me. I believe in the integrity of your services. I Now it just sounds like I'm pitching myself, but this is such an interesting example. And people will say, yes, I believe in the testimonials. And I've looked up people on LinkedIn that have worked with you. And I believe this is legit. And they're looking through faithfully pieces of evidence that this is the right thing for them at the right time. They might have lots of it. They often do have lots of excitement. I'm not just talking about people who are naturally bent towards a very uh, tempered nature, but (laughs) I have just noticed, wow, these are the kinds of people that really their word is their word and they don't give commitment before they really think about something. And those are also the people that I work with and they end up getting incredible results because they're very serious and decisive that once they evaluate something thoroughly, they are committed. And this is what I'm getting at. I have noticed 
that this theme isn't something that's pervasive in our relatively small decisions, it's also pervasive in our big ones. Which, of course, why wouldn't it be if you're asking God things like, should I go to this school? Should I join church A or church B? Should I pick job A or B? And the confirmation that you're looking for is found in a feeling. If that's the case, that is dangerous. It's dangerous. This is the thinking that, um, honestly, I think is very pervasive in our culture right now, as many people um, are in agreement with the new age spirituality movement that is very popular in which it really encourages you to think that your intuition, the feeling in your gut, and your physical senses are king. While I don't diminish that God gave you a conscience, a physical body, and it does give you cues, and I, I definitely think that intuition is a gift, I just think it's meant to be used in discernment, and if you have a gut feeling about something that, um, I mean, that's wonderful to bring your awareness to a potentially really great decision, but if that potential decision does not pass the test of wisdom, discernment, and thorough evaluation, then you can know that's not a good idea. Uh, I'll talk later about how not all of our decisions have to make, quote, make sense according to other people or popular culture or the world or anything like that. I'll talk about how um, a potential decision, it doesn't, it can look crazy. And you could be called to it and it could be a really wonderful decision that is inspired by faith and God is leading you in that way. But I'll, I'll show you later how to spot the difference. Um, but anyway, to summarize, your calling is not confirmed by feelings. And I'm talking about confirmed. You could be made aware of something um, through the feeling of passion or excitement. Explore that further, but it's not confirmed. Like the story does not end with strong positive emotions. Uh, though, like I said, your feelings may bring up many ideas to your attention, which is very helpful to help you explore what you're excited and passionate about, but you could only have a chance at truly being sure that you're called to a specific path if it can be firmly backed up by logic and conviction that you're doing the right thing for God, others, and yourself. To be honest, you might never feel completely, quote, sure. Um, and I'll give a biblical example of this plenty of times. Um, in characters we see in the Bible, God was calling them to something and he only revealed one step at, the at a time. And they didn't get the whole roadmap. I'm sure they felt really unsure a lot of the time. So you might never feel completely sure, but you could be sure that you are putting yourself at risk if you think that finding your calling or making decisions based on strong emotional impulses that you would call a calling is if you think those are just mainly confirmed by strong positive emotions. What's really crazy, I mentioned this a little bit before, is that you could actually land on a really incredible decision and identify a path that I think you could say you're truly called to, like it's a faithful use of your life. It really is a wonderful, faithful use of who God made you to be and what he put on your heart to do, but you actually might turn away from it or jump to some other shiny option for the time being just because, or forever, I don't know, um, just because you didn't go through the thorough discernment process, arriving to a point of conviction that solidified your positive feelings towards that direction. 
I'll explain more on this and provide biblical examples later, but for now, let's just make sure that you grasp my main point, which is here are the unreliable non-indicators that are not meant to be trusted as a basis for confirming if you're called to do something or not. One is peace. That is, the feeling of peace is not a reliable indicator. Also, the feeling of passion or excitement. Um, because <laughs> um, the, like the example of me moving to London, I had all sorts of things that I would consider to be God affirming, like giving me omens um, at the time, even speaking to me through other people. I was networking. I was applying for jobs. I was talking to people who lived there. Um, I was ready to go. I was literally three weeks away from buying my one-way ticket. Um, I definitely felt like this is my life's calling. You could ask literally any of my closest friends that if you're listening, you know, I talked about it all the time. I was like 100% sure this is for me. Um, and I now realize, I mean, praise God, I realized at the time before I pulled the trigger, um, that actually... And I honestly, this was revealed through therapy and a counselor helping me talk through why this was a decision I wanted to make. She helped me to realize that truly my only motivation for moving to London, it was a form of escapism. I was very, un I don't know, unfulfilled um, and unhappy in my tech consulting corporate job at the time. And I didn't know what to do about my life. I didn't know how to pick a more satisfying path. It's a whole nother story how I got here and why I have so much conviction in my work that this is important to help not only myself at the time through this of discerning what am I really called to do? So I think it was very helpful to, you know, your message, your message. It was very helpful to realize, wow, I really was so close to falling into something that I wasn't actually called to. Um, but this therapist helped me realize that truly my only core motive in moving to London was to escape the life I was unhappy with, not go through a thorough, uncomfortable process of sticking to really finding um, an option that is more aligned for me in my life and that is a faithful use of it that would genuinely help other people. No, this was just about me. Actually, it was, I was seeking that, it turns out, as a shortcut that if I move to London and do something crazy like that and have this huge pattern interrupt in my life, it would show others that my life isn't meaningless and hopefully the affirmation I got from other people like, wow, you're leading such a cool life, maybe that would give me the sensation of meaning I've been looking for all along truly, I found that that was the only motive. And it's not to say that once you uncover a poor motive about a potential decision that you're considering, that there's not redeeming elements to it. It doesn't mean that you have to throw away the decision altogether, but it might be time to throw away the, the decision altogether. If like me, you literally had no redeeming motives behind that decision. <laughs> like, I realized that was it. And it was time to really hunker down and be more faithful. And that's what led me to pray <laughs> with true surrender for the first time. Like, Lord, 
I will literally do anything that you want me to do. My career does not have to look any certain type of way. It, uh, I am not going to live for the validation of other people, which is very much what I lived for, for I would say most of my life. Um, and so anyway, God definitely utilized that in such a powerful way in my life and woke me up to the incorrect way that I, I was, quote, finding my calling. Because, um, of course, I couldn't just state this as a, oh, no, I just really want to move to London. No, I was telling everyone, like, God had told me all this stuff. Y'all, be careful. So, here are the reliable indicators, though, of that you may actually be on to the thing that you're truly called to pursue and it's within God's will for your life. And that reliable indicator is conviction. You've heard me say this a a few times, but here's what I mean. Um, I will explain in a minute what exactly I mean by developing conviction and how to get there so that you're really making a good decision. But first, I do want to address the unreliable indicators I mentioned and why specifically, as I promised, the feeling of peace is not a reliable indicator in discerning what you're called to do. So here's what I mean. Um, I am actually going to tell you what Jordan Rayner means. He is um, an author. He has really incredible books. He also has a podcast named The Call to Mastery, something that I am all about. I love this topic of calling, especially from the angle of being really excellent in your craft and dedicating it and having a really fruitful career. But he also has a weekly email devotional. And you could find these on his website too, like the whole archive of them. But I'm going to share two of his devotionals that really thoroughly and (laughs) beautifully debunk the common myth that the feeling of peace is something that you should um, hold up as the ultimate um, decision maker. Like, yeah, this is good. I have peace about it. So uh, this is from his August 24th devotional titled New Series Into the Unknown. And I'll just read it. Decisions, decisions. We are faced with a never ending list of them at work and at home. Which candidate do I hire? Do I get my MBA or do I get a job? Do we move or do we stay? As Christians evaluate decisions like these, there's a phrase that we often utter once we've made up our minds. I just feel such a sense of peace about my decision. Or conversely, if we're having difficulty making a decision, we'll say, I just don't feel peace uh, at one way or another. Um, But once we have that amorphous uh, sense of peace, the discussion is over. One pastor hit the nail on the head saying, when an internal sense of peace becomes the ultimate rationale for decision making, no one can question you. It's the ultimate mic drop, akin to saying that God told you to do something. So who's supposed to argue with that? Are you supposed to say, and these are my words, like God did not tell you that? Yeah, it is the ultimate mic drop. Like no one can question you and the discussion is over. Um, But back to what he says, there are a few passages uh, of scripture that people point to when claiming that we should wait for a feeling of peace before making a decision. These are Philippians 4 verses 6 through 7 and 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 16. These are two of them, but perhaps one of the most common is Colossians 3 verse 15, which says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and to be thankful. 
the key to unlocking the meaning of this verse is actually understanding what the word translated as peace actually means. The Greek word Paul uses here is irene. That's not how you say it, but <laughs> oh well. Um, which, according to Strong's biblical concordance, suggests that that means the tranquil state of a soul assured in its salvation through Christ. It's the exact same word that Paul uses in Romans 5 verse 1 when he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. That same Greek word there. Um, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In both Romans 5.1 and Colossians 3.15, Paul isn't promising a vague sense of peace about specific decisions, but rather a concrete promise of peace that God is secure, regardless of which decisions we make. Um, or <laughs> that promise of peace in God is secure, regardless of which decisions we make. That's crazy. Let me just underline that. Regardless of which decisions we make, because we're not always going to get it right. But you and I don't have to wait for a feeling of peace to overwhelm us before we make a decision. Paul is saying that you and I already have all the peace we need. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God, and we have peace with God that no decision can alter that status. Okay. So if an internal feeling of peace is not the end-all be-all for making decisions, what can believers rely on when making hard choices instead? First, we rely on God's word. If a decision would cause us to sin, obviously it's a non-starter. Even if we have peace about our intention to disobey the Lord's commandments. Amen, Jordan, I hear you. Okay, been there, got you. But second, when we rely on wisdom from God's people, whom the Holy Spirit speaks through. See Matthew 10 verse 20. Again, he's highlighting the need for community, which is just so important. Discern things in community. But anyway, finally, we rely on our God-given freedom to decide. Wild. Let me repeat that last line. Finally, we rely on our God-given freedom to decide, which is something... I will comment on and say that that God-given freedom to decide, honestly, is kind of what a lot of people's, quote, calling ends up being. Um, I was just listening to Jordan Rayner's uh, audiobook called The Master of One, which is really nifty. It's like the concept of instead of being a jack of all trades and a master of none, the Bible actually does call us to really seek excellence. And with the complex nature of life, it's really more important to focus on being excellent at one thing. So that's kind of what the book is about. Uh, very contrary to my uh, multi-passionate nature. And I actually resisted reading this book for quite some time because I thought I would fundamentally, fundamentally disagree with it. But I cannot. He's very solid in his reasoning and it's biblical. But anyway, um, I will go more on to this later, but that God-given freedom to decide, it's actually, you could, your path to, quote, discerning your calling can actually be quite a logical one in which you don't encounter any instances of, like, seeing God right on the wall and tell you exactly what to do. But a study in this book, um, a Master of One, uh, that Jordan mentioned is this study uh, from a professor at Yale who said the people, she actually studied what causes people to, to talk about their work as a calling 
And she found that across many different sectors, all types of work, ones that our society would deem simple, you know, clerical admin versus highly strategic, creative, whatever. Across all these sectors, the greatest indicator that someone would actually deem their work their calling and really feel compelled and like in full belief that this is a good thing and that they're meant to do it are the people who spent the longest in those careers. I think that this is a whole nother topic that I could go into at another time and it's something I'm learning about a lot because um, I used to be very obstinate towards all these lines of thought like, oh, there's no such thing as a calling and I am not saying that. It's just, you know, hunker down where you're at and be excellent at it and then you'll feel really nice about it and a sense of passion will develop. I am not saying that whatsoever. Please listen to literally any other of the 90 episodes I've done on this podcast. That is not something that I espouse. But anyway, that's all food for thought. I'll have you do what you will with that. Maybe that's dangerous, but um, uh, one more uh, excerpt that I want to read to really put the nail in the coffin on this argument that we need to just follow where the piece is, um, is this excerpt that I'm going to read from Jordan Rayner's de- uh, devotional on August 31st titled, Stop Waiting for a Sense of Peace. Very direct. <laughs> so it says, um, I am going to share the first of three biblical truths that we could grow in our confidence to make decisions at work and at home. Here it is. God rarely gives us all of the information we want before making a decision. This might not sound freeing, but trust me, it actually is. Hang in with me for a minute. Genesis 12 verse 1 says that God asked Abraham to leave behind his country, people, and family and head to an undisclosed location. This is clearly information that Abraham would have loved to have known before deciding whether or not he would obey. But just as we read in Hebrews 11 verse 8, Abraham obeyed God despite that, quote, he did not know where he was going. Do you think Abraham experienced a warm, fuzzy feeling of peace about making this move? I doubt it. Just like Abraham, God does not give you and me all the information we feel we need to make an important decision, both at work and at home. Through his word, the Bible, his people, our community, our Christian community, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's leading, God often only gives us clarity about one step at a time. He gives us wisdom to discern the next right thing, and then he expects us to step out in faith, even if we don't, quote, feel at peace about where the next right thing might lead. At the risk of offering two frozen two references in a single paragraph, oftentimes God calls us into the unknown. So funny. Anyway, the truth is paradox paradoxically freeing. If we grasp this, we know we could stop waiting for an unreliable feeling of peace and start relying on the certain peace that comes from recognizing that if God took care of our eternal needs, he will surely care for our temporal ones. Here's one of my favorite Bible teachers, or here's what one of my favorite Bible teachers, Jen Wilkins, says on the topic. Quote, we want a peak 
into what's next. For the unbeliever, it's horoscopes, palm readings, and tarot cards. For the believer, it's much the same thing, loosely draped in religious trappings, asking God for an extra biblical sign, claiming a Bible promise out of context. We tell ourselves that if we knew the future, we would put that knowledge to good use. But how likely is that? It's far more likely that we would use that knowledge to stoke the flames of our self-reliance and to forward our own interests. Man, that is good. So, Chances are that God's not going to give you all the information you want before you make a decision about that job or that move, but let the truth free you to make a choice and rely more on him and his assurance of peace in the process. Incredible. I really hope that that was helpful to you if, like I once was, you're relying on the feeling of peace and you're disconcerted if a seemingly good decision on all accounts that seems like a faithful use of your life and resources and all of that isn't aligning with this sense of peace um discern that in community but food for thought you might not just want to continue to hold up for a sensation of peace that might never come my favorite quote along these lines is something that pastor tim keller said the um founder of the famous Uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, he said that many decades ago when as a young couple, he and his wife moved to New York City to plant a church in one of the world's most secular cities, (laughs) he was asked, did you feel much peace about it? And he said, "Um, about planting a church in one of the most world's most secular cities and signing a three-year lease? No, absolutely not. I did not have a feeling of peace about it, but I had a a sense of conviction that this was the most faithful thing that I could do. And it was the right thing to do. So to add to all of this, I think that we need to be mindful of the fact that our human minds are often trained to categorize the feeling of peace with comfort and self-preservation and potentially even selfish pleasures. I think that conviction... uh, behind what you're pursuing as the right thing can lead to a feeling of steadfastness, faith, and resolve that may later be equated with the feeling of peace. But if we just sit still for a minute and think, what would bring me peace? I honestly don't think that we would do much to pour out our lives for others, which is the model that the Bible so firmly hands us. I mean, if Moses or even Jesus Christ himself, sorry, I'm getting fired up slash not sorry but if Jesus Christ himself made decisions or or Moses also made decisions based off of what would bring them peace then the Israelites millions of people would not have been brought out of slavery and Jesus himself would not have delivered me from the slavery of my own sin if he did not sacrifice himself for me at great personal cost of his life and excruciating pain and separation of the love from the father Um, just for me on that cross to atone for the sin that would eternally separate me from being able to commune with God, with the perfection of God in heaven. So obviously our model biblically is not one in which the feeling, positive, nice feelings of a, a gut instinct or like excitement, jitters, peace, 
they could bring awareness to potentially good decisions, but also some really wonderful decisions that are so faithful and can be world-changing even, history-changing, eternally changing, like the decision Jesus made to be faithful to um, serve as an atonement for my sin. Those great faithful decisions might not have peace present. So, I just would love to encourage you in that way that that is not, this is a very large theme that I see people, it's a trap that I see people falling into um, that is not helpful. So I want to, I did promise that I would speak on the parable of the sower as well. So I will, um, This illustrates my point, not just on the basis of peace, but also one of joy and excitement. So I think this is really important. uh, And I will quickly illustrate this as well before moving on to exactly how you can develop conviction and go through practically a thorough discernment process, questions that you can ask yourself to make sure that you're really called to something and weed out things that you're actually not. So To illustrate my point, let me go into the parable of the sower that we find in Matthew chapter 13, which I will read. So in verse one, it says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, he told them many things in parables saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places, which did not have much soil. That seed sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then Jesus goes on in the middle of this chapter to answer questions that his disciples had about why he taught in parables, what do they mean, but then he picks back up in verse 18 to explain exactly what this parable of the sower meant. So I'll pick it back up there. Listen to what the parable of the sower means, Jesus says. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, like the gospel message, uh, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but worries of this life in the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful here's the kicker, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Oof, you hear that? So someone who hears and does the word work to understand, gaining conviction that this is the right way. I thoroughly have decided that I do believe this and I'm using my mind and they have conviction that this is the right way that they should go. Then 
leading the life of faith, that life of faithful action that's required to be, be able to produce a crop per se that yields 160 or 30 times more volume than the initial seed that was planted in them. These are the people that lead a very fruitful life and they stay the course despite Despite the deceitfulness and doubts and whatever other shiny things that come up in this world and or hardships that tried to tear them away from it. Um, and it's so interesting. Here's the thing. Here's the truth behind this parable. Jesus is talking about something that is true. Jesus himself to this crowd is sharing the way and the truth and the life. He is sharing the gospel message. But people fall away from it. So you could still make a good decision and you could believe truth truth, or um, if we want to extrapolate this carefully a little bit, if we want to see this as a model for decision making, you could find a potential option that is it is truly a good idea for you. It is a faithful use of your life and you may be called to it and it's in alignment with God's will. But you can still fall away from that good thing because you did not seek to understand with your mind to the point where you had conviction beyond that surpasses positive emotion that confirmed this is worth sticking to when things get hard. So here's what we are called to be careful of. Feeling captivated or inspired by a message or an idea, maybe even having it resonate in your spirit as the right thing to move forward with, but not seeking further understanding to make sure that this potential decision is something that holds up when evaluated against wisdom, logic, and biblical truth. So anyway, I see this a lot in people's careers. So they get enchanted or excited by an idea, but without the follow through to thoroughly tie their decision to um, a firm grasp of logic and a firm understanding of why something like this would be a wise decision worthy of pursuit in their one short life. Otherwise, the doubts and fears and senseless excuses will inevitably choke them out of that excitement at lightning speed and turn them away from that good path. Or they could be making an excellent decision, putting themselves in the middle of a great opportunity, but since they didn't thoroughly discern and come to a place of deep conviction, not just excitement, that this is the right job for them, then they are so much more prone to doubt, second guessing, throwing in really random other options like, no, maybe this is the way, and also falling away and not having a, a sense of purpose and perseverance in their decision. Um, and they're... And, Again, in this example, these are like really good decisions that someone could make. And it really does seem based on all that I learn about them and, and I'm talking about a potential client and it, they come up with the idea themselves and they thoroughly test it and discern it um, before we really go through that discernment process someone can have really positive emotions in one session and then second guess in the next. But after the thorough discernment process, they're like, Whew, okay, I have the chutzpah to stick with this because I know it's right. I know it's a good idea. Um, so be careful to do that. Uh, but back to a that reliable indicator in discerning what you're called to do. Conviction. I promised. I told you and I would explain what it is and how do you get it. You keep on hearing me mention this. So what is it? Um, conviction is, I'll say the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition, it states it as one, the act or the process of finding a person guilty of a crime, especially in a court of law in which a jury is present. Wow. Like, okay, 
what if we had like jury in our minds? That's a good idea. <laughs> like let's thoroughly work this out. This is a serious decision. Um, then 2A is a strong persuasion or belief. And then 2B, the state of being convinced. So how does one develop conviction instead of just going with inspiration or like me making up conviction and just convincing myself emotionally? No, I need to stick to this. I need to move to London. So how does one instead truly develop like a real conviction, not just emotional stubbornness? One, simply, (laughs) I say simply, a lot of like common wisdom isn't so common, you know, commonly applied, but train yourself to discern good from bad and helpful from unhelpful by truly evaluating your past decisions and learning from what they ended up being, if that was a good, helpful, life-giving, wise decision or unwise, unhelpful. Um, And then seek to understand a comprehensive understanding of your reasoning for what you should or why you should or why you should not go for something. Um, Do the work to take it out with wise, talk it out with wise counsel, do your research and objectively evaluate pros and cons. Seems pretty simple. But um, I love this warning that kind of relates to this that we see in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 11 through 14. And it's actually a warning against falling away from the faith. Um, But I tend to think that this might apply to the way we make other decisions as well, falling away from a good, true thing. Um, So it says in verse 11, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you have, you no longer try to understand. Let me read that again. We have much to say about this falling away, but it is hard to make clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over and over again. You need milk, not solid food. (laughs) Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil." So I felt that that was a really important theme to bring up, that this comes from training discernment to the point of conviction comes from training yourself to distinguish good from evil, both from actually reading your Bible and realizing that it is vivid, exciting, full of wisdom. It's not this boring ancient text that's irrelevant. It It is when you get that picture of God's character, you get to know the kind of decisions that he would make both blatantly Uh, stated in the Bible and um, something that we can infer. But um, both by training yourselves through actual biblical study, getting to know God's character and making decisions that are aligned with that, and also just by practically evaluating your past decisions and really talking that out with wise people in your life and making sure that you learn from them. Because we all know that you could go back and make the same stupid decision twice. Most of that, including me, are not above it. So we have to train ourselves to distinguish good from evil, helpful from unhelpful, an actual calling from, I totally made that up and it was an emotional wave that I went with, went way too far with. Um, so, okay, here's what you've probably been waiting for. Here are the practical actions that you could take to actually thoughtfully come to a mature decision in alignment with what God's will or calling is for you. Here are some ideas, some questions to ask, some things to participate in. So, 
I know that there's a verse in the New Testament that people often quote, which is everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. I get that. So ask, who am I becoming in making this decision? This is a question that Pastor John Tyson of Church of the City, New York, I love that podcast, by the way, all their sermons that they post there. He really helpfully proposed this, that yeah, like a lot of <laughs> life actually is really appropriately in the gray area. We are, like the Bible is not an instruction manual for should I take job A or job B. It, you have to discern the specific things and details in your own life. And there is a lot of gray area sometimes. So he says that that uh, helpful question to ask is, well, if I did make this decision, who would it encourage me to become? How would I, what kind of shoes would I be stepping into? Uh, Or if I go with this option, how might it shape my life, my relationship with God and my ability to help others build a relationship with God? project that forward and be very honest with yourself. Um, And I think that this is one where you really see your true motives kind of come to light if you're honest, which I pray that you are. But um, I know it could be hard sometimes. Anyway, another point of how you could, like practical steps that you could take to really thoroughly discern discern to a point of conviction is um, given what I've researched and the wisdom and advice I've gained from experienced sources, ask yourself, Sorry, this is a question to ask yourself. Um, Given what I've researched and the wisdom and advice I've gained from experienced sources, would making this decision at this time be the most faithful use of my life right now? You could also ask yourself, is this my best option in the long term for resolving this issue that I'm thinking of or attaining this goal that's on my heart? Would any of this cause me to sin? or kind of be more approximate to sin or tempted or whatever, or would this cause me to sin or hinder my ministry and the way I'm able to uplift and be there for others in any way? Um, Then pray and ask God for discernment. Share your feelings with him. Ask him to make the path clear. Realize that praying is something that aligns your mind and your heart with his, shaping you to make the decisions that please God if you're truly surrendering surrendering to him in prayer. Uh, realize that after you pray, this is a big one. Tim Keller said this, the pastor I mentioned earlier. He said, realize that as you pray, guidance is more of something that God does and less of something that God gives. So you're probably not going to receive a sign or a word. More likely, you can just lean on the promise that God says um, in the book of Proverbs many times and other parts throughout um, the Bible in which he says, I will establish the work of your hands. I will establish your steps. And even in chapter 16 of Proverbs, it says, I will make a uh, the plans of a, uh, of a man's heart belong to him, but the proper word will come out of his mouth according to the Lord's will. Whoa. <laughs> so that's what Tim Keller means by it's more of something that God actively does and works out, not something that you necessarily need to get a roadmap or direct instructions to be able to do. So um, then ask yourself, what are my motives behind seeking this? Pray, Lord, would you please seek my or search my heart and show me. If you become aware of poor motives through praying this, then pray more and think that through. Are these motives redeemable? 
Like, are there aspects that draw me to this that are founded in faithful, pure desires? Can I just kind of work to reform my impure motives and not indulge those too much? Maybe I shouldn't just throw out this decision altogether, but can I learn to shift my mind to those redeemable, pure desires that inspire me to go down this path? Or is this going to be too much of a stumbling block altogether that I need to give up? big questions to ask yourself, work out in prayer, community, discernment, talking it through. But specifically, you're probably listening to this because you want to discern what career path, your job or whatever that you're called to. And this is where I help my clients objectively uncover what they may be called to do by evaluating. I'll give you the following two areas. Broadly, understanding who God made you to be and what he put on your heart to do. What I mean by that is in terms of who God made you to be, the attributes he instilled in you, we look at your core values, your natural talents, which are different than your um, gifts. They're different than your developed skills or strengths. Naturally emerging talents are what you innately do very well. Then spiritual gifts I I can't, I'm not going to take too much time to explain why um, all of the details of these things, but I will tell you that it is important to understand who God made you to be in light of your core values, your natural talents, your spiritual gifts, and aspects of your personality like motivational style, your source of fulfillment and how you experience that, the environment you were created to do your best work in, your top qualities and biggest weaknesses or points of vulnerability, And then another part of the discernment process, as I mentioned, is understanding what he put on your heart to do. And this is where I believe that everyone has a special awareness uh, for something that they were meant to care deeply about. Maybe this is something really positive, like creating beauty or following this idea for a business that you really believe in. Um, Or maybe it's something that is uh, sad and hard and you're just no longer willing to see stand to let happen in the world anymore, someone you want to contend for, a people group, a cause, um, a problem that brings you to tears. So uh, I believe that that's another point of discernment that you need to consider in evaluating your potential career decisions against that. So then, yeah, constantly evaluate all of these areas, um, against objective lessons and experiences you've gained in the past. What worked, what didn't, what was not optimal, what was. And constantly checking in to also discern if it's in alignment with God's will according to questions like, who am I becoming by making this decision? Or who would I become if I followed, went down this path? Um, And is this the most faithful use of my talents, my resources, my spheres of influence, ideas, creativity, and good desires? Okay, now I want to share some key principles that will help you make decisions that are aligned with God's will for you that I may not have mentioned before. One is, I kind of queued this up that I was going to address this, but I want really want to validate that emotions are not bad. They are gracious, God-given cues to explore something further using followed by <laughs> matured, uh, mature evaluation and decision-making skills. They, emotions are not meant to be a final basis to go for that decision on an emotional impulse. So another key principle that I want to mention is 
everything that I've talked about, this like thorough decision process, decision-making process and developing conviction and evaluating things deeply, um, this is all not to say that you can't make a good, faithful decision quickly. Not at all. (laughs) An example of this is the Apostle Peter himself. He was actually known to be quite immature and impulsive. We see him jump out of a perfectly good boat and we see him say, no, Lord, like I won't deny you. And he's often quick to lunge forward and do exactly what he thinks is the best thing right away. And this got him in some trouble for sure. But as he matured in life and as in his faith and as an apostle in his walk with Christ, Jesus actually chose him. You see him, Jesus say, I give you the keys to my kingdom and you're a leader. And Jesus chose him to be a leader of the apostles and the early church. And we can only imagine that his leadership was enhanced by his ability to, in maturity, act boldly decisively and quickly, not making decisions based on emotional impulses, but rather just quickly acting in good discernment. It doesn't mean that you have to take forever. You could have strong initiative and be the first to lead Um, because he had already come to know God's will and what types of decisions further it or go against it practice and maturity. My friend, I personally have made really big decisions quite quickly and not all of them have been bad. I've made really excellent decisions um, in and big investments because I, I knew exactly what I needed and what I was looking for and when the right opportunity came along it aligned with a lot of logic that I had already thought through so I didn't have to waffle on that forever. Um, so uh, that is another key principle just because Uh, A thorough process, decision-making process does not mean that it has to take a really long time. I think um, as you move forward, you can actually make good decisions more and more quickly, depending on the gravity of them. Um, And you can actually make a decision, I believe, on the spot. That's not always inappropriate. Sometimes it's absolutely required. Maybe you don't have time. And I personally don't uh, endorse people going deep into like second guessing where that's or just filling their minds with doubts constantly and they're not actually going anywhere they're just actually in another emotional state of waffling on the decision and they're not grasping onto firm concrete logic move forward um but the last principle I want to mention is just because I'm compelling you to use sound reasoning discernment and logic It does not mean that all of the decisions that you're called to make will make perfect sense to other people or the world at large. According to what the world values and deems a good thing, um, I don't think that's always going to make sense and your decisions aren't going to um, be praised by popular culture because maybe it your decision doesn't make sense in terms of other people's values, which it might at worst um, not align with people's values that could be indulging in an overglorification of money, personal happiness, convenience, or self-preservation. So no, I don't think that, especially uh, a decision that 
you're partnering with God to make, it, it's not always going to make sense according to the world. I mean, Jesus himself said the world will hate you like it hates me um, to be very extreme, but go read that in the Bible. It's there. But according to what the Bible says, yes, I do believe that your decisions will always make sense or should always make sense in light of God's character and what he asks his children to do as per what we see again in the Bible. I can't overemphasize that enough. It is the book of life. <laughs> it has changed my life and I used to just think it was a boring um, old book and I found it really, really hard to get into. But once I started uh, reading it more and more, you see, wow, this is vivid. This is exciting. I can't believe this stuff is in here. It's amazing. Like this truly is worthy as the basis for my life and it truly does speak into all my situations. Amazing. So the beautiful thing is that the gap between what the world says is is a good thing and what God impressed upon your spirit as a good thing to do, that gap is very uncomfortable. But it's where we get to develop and experience holding on to faith, which is a gift, acting in trust and obedience that God will provide and make a way for you as you're trying to be obedient to his will, which will ultimately in some way make a way for others to know him as they witness your redemptive work, your faith in your life decisions. So, that is pretty cool. So anyway, to wrap up, I hope that this podcast has encouraged you to consider that emotions aren't bad. They're designed, God designed us to experience them, but they, and they could be so helpful in making us aware of things that we really, it would be a great idea to explore further, but we cannot be easily, con or we can be easily convinced of many things, especially by emotions. They could sway us to make meaning that isn't there. And, but even if your emotions happen to lead you to a good decision that's actually in alignment with your calling, you still need to do the thorough work to test, evaluate, and develop conviction based in sound reasoning and like firm belief that has a foundation that this is the right choice. And that is what is going to allow you to persevere in what you're called to do, uh, not only just make the right decision, but also persevere in the right decision when feelings are not positive and you encounter hardship. So um, the last thing I, or two last things that I want to mention um, to wrap up, I hope that you were encouraged to realize that the right choice is most likely one that will still require a lot of faith as God often calls us to make decisions only knowing one step ahead at a time. But this is part of a good, God's good design for our lives. It is a gift and an opportunity to learn and discern his will and experience his goodness as we lean on him for provision and guidance. And as we finish this episode, I really hope that you walk away knowing that the sensation of peace, passion, or excitement, it, yes, it is not the final confirmation that you've found something that, that you're called to. I see people being led astray by this all the time in the big and the little decisions in life, and I hope that you've been encouraged to consider that finding your calling or making a good decision, it might actually be quite a logical process, not super over-spiritualized, not to say that I do not pray about my big decisions or prayed about my career. And that's also not to say that I personally did, uh, like a part of my story, what I'm saying is I actually do feel that I heard a, a God speak to me. So I'm not saying I don't believe in that. I 
do believe that even when you think God is speaking to you, there are many occasions when our brain is making that up and we have to test it against what we see in the Bible. We have to get counsel on it from wise people that we trust. And we have to make sure that it is in alignment with the life of faith and wisdom that God expects us to live. Um, Because I think that we could have a lot of voices in our head. But anyway, I really hope that this helps you make really firm, life-giving, wonderful decisions that you could be confident in um, and that you are saved from some hardship that could come if you're just following nice feelings of excitement or an insubstantial premonition that whatever you're thinking about is the purpose of your life or it's going to be a good idea. I just feel it. Again, I am not criminalizing feelings. I have quite a history with them. Feelings and I are friends, but I hope that you have been served in learning about some of the themes that I have observed. I love how that runs. I did not play that. Uh, Learning about some themes I've observed in discerning a true calling from a fake one. If you would like help and partnership, as I often find so helpful, vital, and important um, in your, specifically in your career, career decisions, feel free to reach out to me anytime. You could apply for a free consultation for my career coaching programs through my website, kelseykemp.com forward slash coaching, where you can learn how I partner with people in as faithful, efficient, logical, powerful, (laughs) and powerful of a process as possible and really thoroughly discerning what are they called to do with their career? What's the most faithful use of everything that God created them to be and what he instilled in them and put on their heart to do? And then really go after that with a lot of excellence so that by the grace of God, you can fulfill these feelings that we were meant to crave. Feelings of peace, feelings of excitement, of purpose and fulfillment. Like, praise God. He did give us those feelings and they are good. But anyway, I will close that off here. I think that this has been quite a long episode, but I pray that it blesses you and... Yeah. Oh my gosh. This would not be a wrap up if I did not ask you hustle you for a review. (laughs) So go ahead and just quickly tap the stars to leave a rating and write a few words uh, to give your feedback for the show to show your support. All right. Hope y'all have a great week. Bye.